Greetings, I'm Dr. Rahman and welcome to Black Women's Health. I should share with you that I started this podcast because I just wanted to shine a light on Black women who are doing positive things. Instead of feeding ourselves with all of the negative information about Black women and Black women's health. And initially, I thought it was going to be difficult to identify these women, but that's not the case. These women are all around. They are our next door neighbors. They are close by. And I've had the privilege of having the opportunity to introduce to you on today's podcast, Michelle Hurt, H-U-R-T-T. Michelle is a licensed professional counselor and a certified trauma practitioner. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Dr. Rahman. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing just great. Thank you for asking. So, Michelle, I know that you are practicing in the Philadelphia area, but I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and your education. Okay, um, first of all, I'll start with my education. Um, I am a Christ Christian, I want to mention, and um, because of that, I the universities I attended were both Christian universities. Um, for my undergraduate, I attended Eastern University. And for my master's degree, I attended Kearns University. Um, I do have 14 years of experience uh, and I specialize in um, providing counseling to women survivors of childhood sexual abuse, sexual trauma and domestic violence. So I do have 14 years of experience um, and I'd like to think that I've been, you know, helpful to many women over the years. Sure. Is it um, okay for you to share? Are you a, a, a woman of color? Yes, I am. And are your clients primarily women of color or not necessarily? No, not necessarily. And as a matter of fact, um, the majority of my clients have been Caucasian um, and I don't know if they, that has to do with um, people of color generally not seeking help through therapy, um, but the majority of my clients have been Caucasian. So here's my question. If I'm a female, well, I am a female, that's a silly question, <laughs> but my question is, what would prompt me to seek out your services? Um, hmm. I'm not sure I understand that question, but uh, what I would say is um, any women who are struggling and feel as though, you know, they know something is not right with them, but they do not know what it is, um, could benefit from reaching out and um, participating in therapy. Okay, so let me see if I can clarify this a little bit. Okay. Um, sometimes we all feel blue. Sometimes mm -hmm. we 
uh, encounter challenging situations, either in our professional life or in our personal life. And sometimes we've had devastating things happen to us. Uh, so at what point do I say I should reach out or because you say that you are a trauma practitioner. And I guess that's my question. How do I know if I'm a victim of trauma? Okay. Um, you would know um, that something is not right. And when it gets to the point that it begins to interfere with your daily life, if it interferes with your ability to be able to um, parent well, or if it interferes with your ability to function on your job, um, if it interferes with the way that you respond when you interact with people in public, those are uh, reasons why um, you should consider seeking help. Okay. Um, and you would know um, that you have been traumatized if you have experienced any of the things I mentioned earlier. For instance, if you are a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, but you are an adult woman, um, there still is a connection, even though what happened to you happened to you during your childhood. And then of course, um, there's sexual trauma. So a person who has um, been sexually assaulted or raped, um, if you have been in a domestically violent relationship, also you could, there's trauma as a result of that as well. Okay, so this is making it clearer to me. This isn't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily seek you out if I lost my job or I'm having financial difficulties. I would be seeking you out if I was a victim of incest at some point in my life. Uh -huh. I might seek you out if, there, if I was a victim of rape. I might seek you out if I'm having um, trauma in relationship to um, some sort of sexual activity. Mm -hmm. Unwanted. Unwanted sexual activity. Mm -hmm. And yes. so, so, so the primary focus of your work is women who are trying to resolve ongoing issues as a result of some sort of sexual abuse or trauma in their lives. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I specialize, this is what I specialize in. So that does not mean that a person is not traumatized in some other way. For instance, if a person is has been in um, a, a terrible car accident, although they may not be physically injured, they still could be um, emotionally or psychologically traumatized. Um, people, you know, if someone has been physically, mentally, or emotionally abused during their childhood, that also can be traumatic. 
being neglected as a child can be traumatic. And even someone hearing of something happening or witnessing something happening to someone close to them um, could also be traumatic. And it depends on the individual whether or not it would rise to the level of being considered um, traumatic for them. So um, those are other forms of trauma, psychological trauma. But my, as you mentioned, and as I have mentioned, um, I specialize in helping women recover from childhood sexual abuse, sexual trauma, and domestic violence. Can I ask, how did you decide to specialize in this particular aspect of trauma? What brought it about for you? Okay. Um, I believe it is a calling. At this point, I know it's a calling. Um, however, I also have a history of trauma and I have been able to recover from it. And because of my experience and being able to um, do as much as I have done, um, I'm able to help other women be able to overcome and bounce back from trauma. So another question for you. If I'm a victim, let's talk about incest for, for a moment because incest is one of those taboo subjects that it happens to a lot of women. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not limited to a certain demographic or a certain type of woman. All economic stratas, all nationalities have elements of incest. Correct. Mm -hmm. That being said, it's not something that's openly discussed. And a woman that's been a victim of incest usually carries that deep, dark secret around for her and rarely speaks on it. Uh, and these women can be highly functional women outside in the, in the, in the business world or mm -hmm. in their day-to-day -day lives. Yes. So would you only, would you recommend any woman that's experienced incest have a visit with a counselor or only those women who feel as though they've been traumatized? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I would say anyone who is struggling, anyone who is struggling to function from day to day, um, anyone who is experiencing trauma symptoms, and we will talk about that, um, which are the, the symptoms are interfering with their daily life or interfering with um, their ability to function on their job, those types of things, I would highly recommend um, that they seek counseling in order for them to be able to better function. Um, um, and I think it's, it's, an, um, it's an individual or personal decision whether or not to seek help. If, if a person feels as though they're okay, um, I don't think that there will be any point to their seeking counseling because um, a person has to be aware that there is a problem. If they feel as though there is not a problem for them, then counseling may not be beneficial. 
So the women that I'm thinking of who have been subjected to incestuous relationships are now grown women, highly functional women, but they have sexual dysfunction. Mm -hmm. They're not able to enjoy sexual intimacy. They're not able to um, be orgasmic. They have, they have remnants or they have evidence of trauma that's confined to their sex lives. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, they're truly, um, they seem to be highly functional. What, would you have any suggestions or any advice for that woman? Is that a woman that needs counseling? So they're, they um, are high functioning, except in the area of um, their, their intimate partner relationships. Um, right. Intimacy, mm -hmm. uh, being able to enjoy sexual activity. Mm -hmm. What I would suggest is first um, that anything, any physical problems be ruled out. That's number one. So if it's nothing physical, then I think the counselor counseling would be helpful. Can you walk us through what counseling would look like if someone were to come to you and you identified them as a survivor of sexual trauma or sexual incest. What type of process would this be? Okay. Um, trauma therapy. Um, first, I'd like to mention, there's a book by uh, Judith Herman, and the book is called Trauma and Recovery. And in that book, she identifies three stages for trauma recovery, three stages for trauma therapy. And it's um, a process that I try to adhere to. And those stages are number one, it's safety and stabilization. Number two is remembrance and mourning. And number three is reconnection and integration. So I try to follow that model as much as possible. Um, and it's, it's proven to be very helpful because it's important to follow some model in order to avoid a person becoming re-traumatized. In other words, Number one in this model is safety and stabilization. That's necessary um, to be sure, one, number one, that the person is in a safe place, they're in a safe environment, they feel safe, um, and, you know, it's pretty stable, stable enough to begin trauma work. The second stage is remembrance and mourning. And that stage, the work that happens during that stage, um, it's secondary to safety and stabilization because of the need for a person to be able to, in stage one, be able to identify what tri their triggers and to learn coping skills. In that stage, there wouldn't be any in-depth conversation 
about what happened to them at that point, only how they have responded to what happened to them and being able to learn how to cope. Because in number in stage number two, the remembrance piece is actually talking in depth about what happened to them. And in order for them to be able to do that without being re-traumatized, they would need to know some coping skills to deal with mm -hmm. symptoms as they come up and as they process. That's interesting. You called the second stage remembrance and mourning. Mm -hmm. What are we mourning? Okay, it's different for each individual. But for instance, let's take, for example, um, a woman who has experienced some type of childhood trauma. Usually there's a loss of a childhood, you know, um, not being able to have fun, not being able to play, not being able to be happy, to really enjoy childhood things because of what is happening to you at that time. It could be a loss of relationships. Um, for instance, if, when, as you mentioned incest, if a child is being molested by a parent, the relationship with that parent, of course, is compromised. So the loss of a father, the loss of a mother, not physically, but mentally and emotionally. And oftentimes when children tell, um, they're not believed. So, yeah, so that's the, the loss piece. So if I'm hearing you correctly, when you first encounter a client, you want to make sure that they feel safe and that they are physically safe yes. in their environment before any work begins. Yes. And I want to mention about safety also is um, being sure that they take the necessary steps to be safe when they're out in public or riding on public transportation, um, especially those people who are survivors of sexual trauma. Could you explain that a little bit more? Um, Let's see, I'm trying to think of how I could explain that a little bit better. Um, I guess the question is, is she more at risk or is there a greater risk to her than to any other female? Um, I would say uh, possibly yes, because of, it's important for, especially us as women in general, um, to not appear to be vulnerable when we're out in public. And oftentimes because of the shame that comes with sexual trauma, um, women may appear to be uh, shy or fragile or vulnerable when they're out in public, not even realizing that that's the case. So um, I bring that that's to their awareness so that you know, That's you know, their posture is good. Um, that they appear to be confident, even though they may be nervous in certain situations when they're out in public, especially when they're around men. If that was the abuser, 
Um, so it's important to appear to be strong. And that's very interesting because you're saying that even without realizing it, victims of sexual trauma can often project vulnerability, mm -hmm. which makes them targets. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Interesting. All right. So, so you go through with them how to project confidence both in their um, outside and inside. Yes. And that's the first stage. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Even if it's just the facade, they just want yes. to project confidence at this point. Yes, because that's um, a form of self-protection. Um, perpetrator, perpetrators can pick up on whether or not whether or not a person or woman would be an easy target. So if you appear to be confident, if you appear to be strong, it's less likely that someone would pick you out as a victim, as a potential victim. All right, they're looking for the easy prey. Easy prey, prey. exactly. Yes, that's a, a very good way of putting it. All right, so we've, we've worked through that first stage and I guess all of this is a process. It's not a one and done, it's a continuation. Yes. And then you get to the part you mentioned, that's the remembrance and the mourning. Mm -hmm. But you also said you can only do that if you have coping skills. It's important not to go there until you have coping uh, skills um, because there's a danger of being re-traumatized. There's a danger of a person becoming re-traumatized if they begin to process their trauma before being able to identify what triggers the symptoms that they're experiencing and before they learn coping skills. So in, in trauma therapy, also I wanna mention, sometimes the symptoms get worse before they get better. So um, in stage two, when the processing of the trauma begins, the symptoms could magnify or become or increase. So it's absolutely necessary. I believe others may think differently, but I think that it's absolutely necessary for a person to have those coping skills um, ready for them to be able to use to manage whatever the symptoms are or um, to manage them or even to be able to um, avoid situations that could trigger um, the symptoms. How to respond when they are triggered. Actually, that's what it really comes down to. How to respond. Can you give some examples of coping skills? Um, let's see. I, I think that um, behavioral rehearsal is necessary. So um, learning to, before, you know, going out into the world, let's say, before getting on a bus or before going to work, if there's a stressful situation at work, 
being aware of what can trigger you. For instance, um, if you're on a bus and um, somebody starts to harass you or, um, you know, enters your space, a person, especially a woman who ha is a survivor of sexual trauma could be triggered and have, uh, begin to have memories about what happened to them. Um, at that point, they can use what they've learned. They can move away from the person. They can use the words, um, like say, excuse me, something for instance, like I would appreciate if you would, um, give me some space or whatever it might be in that particular case. But it's being aware of what to do in any given situation. For instance, um, like let's say for instance, if a person experiences a flashback and we really haven't talked about symptoms much, but um, if a person experiences, a, is triggered for a flashback, being able to um, if, they, if, if they have a flashback, being able to being able to be aware of their surroundings, if they're not in a safe space, to be able to move to a, sp a safe space. Um, if that makes sense. Another um, trigger could be a person being triggered to an angry outburst for instance. So knowing that certain things that people say, things that people do could trigger you to become angry, you learn what, how to respond in a different way. Okay. I, I, if, I, if I'm understanding you, that whole second stage of remembering and mourning also helps you to learn what are the situations that bring it to mind? Yes. And then once you learn the triggers, as mm -hmm. you say, then you learn what you can do to reverse the effect. Yes, to bring you back to a place of feeling safe, bringing you back to... Um, it, it, it's really a matter of the coping skills are really a matter of being able to handle a situation where you are triggered, um, being or even being able to avoid certain situations that cause you to be triggered. Um, or, or learning new skills so that you don't have the same reaction exactly. that you used to have. Yes, that's it, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For instance, a person who, um, first of all, I want to mention that um, the emotions are generally heightened. A, a person's emotional response to a sit given situation is heightened after trauma. So a person may react out of proportion to a situation, um, especially in an angry way. They could respond by yelling, cursing, even possibly to the point of hitting because they're in survival mode. So knowing that about yourself, 
you can learn a different way to respond when you are triggered, exactly as you have just said. So when I think about this, this includes so many women because not only is it women who have been victims of incest, but women who have been raped or women who are victims of domestic violence, all of that would fall into sexual trauma. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so your job is to initially, you said the first stage was they would feel, get them to Mm -hmm. feel safe. Yes. And learn and learn skills to keep them safe. And then remembering and mourning what they've lost because for everyone, is there a perceived loss? For everyone, is there? Is that a question? Yeah. Um, Hmm. I've never really thought about it that way. Um, I really don't know how to answer that question. If, if for everyone, because everyone is different. Um, traumatic experiences affect each person differently. Well, that's, that was my next question. What are the symptoms of, of, of trauma? Okay. Um, and this is important to know too, because oftentimes people do experience some of these things, not realize, not making the connection to the traumatic um, event that has happened to them. So some of the symptoms could be nightmares. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it could be flashbacks. It could be the angry outbursts, as I mentioned as well. It could be hypervigilance, where a person, when they are out in public, are constantly surveilling their surroundings to be sure they're safe. It could be self-destructive behavior, and that could include um, using drugs and alcohol to cope. Also, self-destructive behavior is cutting. Um, Another symptom is being easily startled, having a difficult time concentrating. Um, That's pretty much it. That's that's, that's quite Mm -hmm. a bit. So if I have the symptoms, will I necessarily understand that it's being triggered by the sexual trauma? Um, no, not necessarily. Often people will come to me and with these symptoms, not even realizing that um, it's as a result of something traumatic that has happened to them. Even if that mm-hmm. thing, say for instance, childhood sexual abuse, even though it has happened years ago, and now here they are an adult, and they're still having these symptoms. So very often they do not even make that connection. Oh, so they're coming for the obvious problem. Mm -hmm. And then through work with you, you get to, as they say, the root of the problem or the cause. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. Interesting. And so you, you mentioned three stages. I think uh-huh. we got to two, remembrance and mourning. 
what's the third stage? Of it's reconnection and integration. And what that is, um, that's the final stage. That's after the bulk of the work has been done and a person starts to feel a lot better. They have more control over their lives. They're able to respond differently in various situations. Then they are able to um, begin to not only connect with others and the world, but also begin to reconnect with themselves and truly getting to know themselves. So mending old relationships, being able to form new relationships um, and being able to identify what they want to do in their lives and being able to do it. So that's the reconnection and integra integration stage. So there is recovery. It sounds hopeful that even if you've been subjected to trauma, sexual trauma, um, there is Yes, hope. yes. There absolutely is hope. And I want to say as far as recovery, recovery is concerned, first of all, the individual needs to be aware. They're already aware there's a problem, but needing to be aware that the cause of their problem could be some of the traumatic things that have happened to them. Um, and the recovery time for each person is different. Uh, that was going to be my next question. Do you have an average? Are we talking days, weeks, months, years on average? Okay. Um, it depends on the individual, what the individual is able to, um, is willing to do. Um, it's different for each person, as I said, and it could take months, it could take years. And not only does it depend on the individual, it depends on the type of trauma as well. Um, it could be the length of time, how long the trauma lasted. For instance, we're going back again to the childhood trauma. Um, usually that lasts for years. So that's a factor that has to be taken into consideration when you think about recovery time. Another factor is um, who the abuser was. The closer the relationship mm -hmm. to the person, mm -hmm. the more difficult it mm -hmm. is to... Um, recover or the, the recovery time could be longer. So it, so for instance, sorry, can, I'm sorry. Can I, ask, can I ask some just practicalities? I'm, I'm understanding that, well, so this is my understanding. Correct me if I'm wrong. If I am finding that I am not functional in my life in some aspect, that should be a warning sign that I should probably seek mm -hmm. some sort of help. And it might be that the cause of my dysfunction is due to some sort of trauma in the past. And that trauma might actually be sexual. So, so in practical terms, 
um, how how much does this cost? How much how much do I have to pay to to see someone? Okay, like it's different. Um, counselors charge differently. Um, if they have insurance, they can use their insurance. Um, sometimes with insurance, there's a copay. There could be a $20, $30, $40 copay. Sometimes with insurance, there's a deductible that has to be met first before the insurance will, um, the insurance company will begin to pay. Um, so yeah, there's a, a wide range of um, costs for individuals without insurance and sometimes camp counselors have like a sliding scale um unfortunately i do not but with the sliding scale it will depend on a person's income would you tell me if i were to seek out your help would you tell me how many sessions i would need and give me a ballpark in terms of the total costs, or do we just go from session? Um, to we session? would go from session to session because it's impossible for me to know how long it will take for you to feel mm -hmm. to, for you to sure. feel as though you are healed, or that you have recovered, or that you have been able you will be able to go out and function a lot better. So. Um, no, it's not possible for me to give a time frame. You know, this is a question. Do you think that may be part of the reason why Black women don't seem to be seeking out your services as much that cost? That cost is a factor? Um, yes. That I'm not sure about. All I can say is um, if they have insurance, um, costs should not be much of a factor. If they are low income, okay. um, if they have medical assistance, counseling is covered under medical assistance. So if they were to go to okay. a community behavioral health agency, they would be able to receive um, counseling at no charge to them with medical assistance. Okay. All, right. All right. So with a little effort, a woman should be able to get help from someplace. Yes, yes, I would say so. But back to you, um, could you give us your... Um, where you're located and how someone could get in contact with you if they wanted to continue a conversation or start a conversation. Yes. Um, they could email me at michelle at summitgrovecounseling.com and that's S-U-M-M-I-T Grove G-R-O-V-E counseling com and you can also check that website summitgrovecounseling.com and you will see my bio listed there um, my phone number is 267-348-4750 
Um, and yeah, and that's my contact information. That's fantastic. Is there, I don't know if we touched on everything that was important for you to share with the audience, but take the next few minutes to kind of summarize what okay. you want people to know. So I would like you ladies to know, you who are listening, that it does take time. Um, this process does take time. And there will be good days and there will be bad days as you work through this. Um, and the symptoms may increase as you're going through this trauma recovery process. They may the, the symptoms may increase before they decrease. Um, I want to say that it's important for you to believe that healing is possible. You must be patient. You must be consistent. You must be willing to do the work that you need to work in order to make yourself help yourself feel better. Um, yeah. And the final thing that I want to say also is I often hear people refer to themselves as being quote unquote, not normal. And they often feel that way because of everything that they're going through, the nightmares, the flashbacks, whatever it might be, they feel as though they're not normal. And I just want to let you know that the traumatic experience, what you went through is abnormal, but your response to what happened to you is normal because that it's a normal human response to the trauma that you have experienced. And I, I, and I want to say, please be encouraged. Um, yeah. And I'm hoping that if someone is out there listening, they will reach out for help. As we were finishing up, Michelle wanted to share with you that visits can be arranged via telehealth. 